Georgia, 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 Georgia. We on the grind, Georgia, all the time. It ain't nothing on my mind, but Georgia. Welcome to another installment of the Nameless Podcast. I am here with Grant Drevis. What is up, man? How's it going, dude? It's uh, It's been a while. It's nice to see you and uh, hear your uh, beautiful voice and see your uh, burly beard. Oh, likewise you. I think last time we saw each other, it was in Provo, uh, and uh, we got, what was it, Rimmels? Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> man, that's got to be tough. There's got to be some German food places where you are, though. You're not in a small pond, my friend. I know, but it's... Uh... I know it's just tough. They sold. They sold. They wanted to go back to Germany, and uh, and my heart Ugh. went with them, man. <laughs> back to Deutschland, dude. They're Please. in the fatherland with my heart. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back in my roots. Back in my roots. Yeah. Um. What? So just kind of taking like an immediate tangent. Well, you know, first, actually, I'll do. Introduction. So Grant, I know Grant from he served his LDS mission in Dayton and uh he was in how long were you were you at that singles ward? You were there for what three months, four months? Three months. Three months. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of where we where we hit things off, and then we've kept in contact pretty much ever since. Um so yeah, and then you so you recently just graduated from BYU, correct? Yep, past April. Woohoo! Wow, babe. Yeah, right when COVID hit. Yeah, it was funny. I was I was arguing with my mom and family. I'm like, I don't want to go walk. And they're like, Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, the school's just like, Yeah, no, no walking, no, uh, you know, no commencement. I'm like, Okay, cool. Give me my diploma. See ya. <laughs> You're like, Well, don't have to, don't have to tell me twice. I, uh, you know what, if, 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 if we're still in that spot, um, come spring of 2021, I'll be stoked because I, uh, well, not, not because the virus will still be like, if it's still that bad, but, uh, because I, I'm, I'm slated to graduate in the spring and I'd said the same thing. I was like, uh, I am not walking. No. Our, so the high school I came from. I think a graduating class had like 75 or 80 people. And that felt like an eternity. Like I wanted that to be over. Dude, could you imagine like the thousands of, 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 of people graduating and just how long that crap takes? Like, nah, Dude, it's just boring. forget about it. And I, and it's more, it's mainly for the parents and saying, Oh, you know, look, little Sam, little Grant graduated, you know, <laughs> look at him. He did it, man. I'll throw on a cap and gown and go take some pictures outside of campus. I'm okay with that. But And also, they'd probably mispronounce my name. They'd go Drivis or Dreyfus, Rivas. <laughs> I heard it all. I've heard it all everywhere. So that, that would be my luck. And I'd just be like, so, nah, dude, I was spared. So, there are many, I was just talking to somebody um, earlier, many silver linings, that was one of them. Oh my goodness! So, did I pronounce your last name right then, Drevis? Yeah, you've known it since day one. Hey, listen, things slip my mind, man. Like it happens. It happens a lot. Mister Butler, I know. <laughs> man, I 
<laughs> I got that all the time uh, when, when I was in Guatemala. Butler. Butler. Someone actually called me Hitler once. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, okay. That's funny. All right. <laughs> well, if that's what you think of me. Um, but, yeah, so now you are in Atlanta, correct? Mm-hmm. The ATL. Yes, sir. The Dirty South. Dude, it's not that Ooh. dirty. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to somebody needs to tell Ludacris that maybe maybe might have been just a little off on that one. No, and I, I so I was here interning six months last year. Now I'm here full time permanently. And uh, when I was getting here, I was thinking Amigos, and my impressions with before coming here were strip clubs, chicken, and trap music. And it's a lot more than that, actually. I think it's, it's most, way more. Yeah, it's. I think it's the most underrated city, in the United States, hands down. Absolutely. Um, you posted something recently. Uh, it was at the Coke Museum. Uh, I loved it. World of Coca Cola. It was so touristy, but I loved it. I love that place. My brothers uh, and I. We went there last time we passed through Atlanta, and man, that was a great experience. It was like fifteen, twenty bucks or something like that to go through, and like. It's really like well maintained, uh, and you get to sample a lot of cool stuff. Uh, some of it I actually thought was beer. I'm pretty sure it, like they had something there that might have been non-alcoholic beer that they put with the sodas. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. It was because so of COVID stuff. You can only like you couldn't just go like ham like in a, in a free for all frenzy like it's been before. Oh, that's right. So they gave you like. I went. With, I was there with my mom. So each party, they'd give you like just two from each like region or continent. But I wasn't like it was super funny. People were like running past us just so they could. Basically, they did the move, the intro movie, and then they just yeah. ran past us through the exhibit so they could go do the taste testing and then uh, do shopping. And I was sitting there like we must have taken like an hour and a half because I was looking at the exhibits, reading the history about the formula and everything. And then like the ad promo section was so rad seeing all that. Yeah, like on the brand because that's why I like Coke. Like, I'm not a huge soda guy. I just drank a Coke Zero earlier because I'm gonna be working late tonight. Got some caffeine in me, obviously, but like, it's such a cool brand. Like, I I remember the, the you see a white polar bear with a red scarf. You know, Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, it's such a it's such a recognizable made. brand. Yeah, it's so upbeat too. It's like you can't you can't be pissed. Like there is like you can't frown while drinking a Coke. Was one of them. I'm like. Yeah, honestly, like, I've never been super mad. And, like, well, I, I've been in a bad mood drinking soda before, but it's not like my life has dwindled downhill because of my consumption of a Coke. So I, I love it, man. It was fun. Yeah, it's it, it's super cool what, what they've been able to do, especially, like, you know that you have branded super well and, like, your product name is synonymous with, like, the actual, like, it takes over the industry. Like, when people say, well, grab me a Coke or, like, They'll refer to anything as a Coke. Like, oh, sorry, please. we have Pepsi, and it's like, ah, there goes your. Ah, actually, we have Pepsi products. Like, nobody says like, like you want to grab, want to grab some Pepsis. I don't know. That might be kind of an outdated term, but like, even even then, still, that was the that was the term. Let's grab some Cokes, yeah. uh, and you know, not definitely not Pepsi. Definitely not. They need Kylie Jenner to kick a soccer ball around to stay relevant. Well, definitely don't use Kendall. <laughs> dude that that whole family is a mess 
that whole family is just off the walls. But they're I think they're done. I think they just announced that they're finally they're finally they're finally ending keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Which I didn't know it was still on the air. I I think no it's I, I think it's how erratic Kanye is personally and they just picked a good time then. But funny story about Kardashians actually. I was in New York over the weekend. Um and I was visiting my sister and her husband and the three of us got dinner with two a married couple friends um, of my sister and her husband. And the wife um, worked in music and entertainment in LA for many years. And it was super funny. She's just like, oh yeah, I have Chris Jenner's number and like shows us the contact with her number. No like, way. Oh, and I couldn't memorize it, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't memorize it. But she said like, she was so buttoned up. Like she in meetings with her and the girls, they were always there minimum 10 minutes early, like sitting, waiting. And they were so, like, she's so strictly business. Like she's not some dits. Like she's extremely, uh, she's extremely prudent, and she's just on the ball all the time as a businesswoman. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's how you, uh, that's how you spin a, a cheap homemade sex tape into a multi-billion-dollar empire. So, yep. <laughs> it's funny hearing that's that. So crazy. Well, and it's funny, Joe Rogan had a bit on one of his stand-up specials where he was like, could you imagine trying to explain the Kardashians to, like, aliens if they came down? Like, <laughs> you'd have to explain, like, human intercourse and, uh, you know, murder, <laughs> like, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> we have the Buffalo Bills to blame. <laughs> the one yes, for, I love The one for them, man, I don't know, I, I, th- I think... Uh, I, I think we'd have a lot less uh, collagen in girls uh, in girls' mouths and faces. <laughs> Thank you, OJ, for keeping the collagen industry afloat. Well, Twitter, it's yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, him getting a Twitter is so funny. His takes are just like, like from the top rope, out of nowhere, and it's just like, oh gosh, it's OJ chiming in. Especially when he when he when he talked about like Carol Baskin. <laughs> And everybody's like, oh, well, there you go. Expert opinion. Yeah, he knows. Well, I remember when COVID, uh, like there was the initial COVID outbreak. And they're just like, all right, OJ, you you know what to do, man. You know what to do with this virus. (laughs) We all know he did it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, man. Freaking OJ. Goodness gracious. But but I'm glad you're liking Atlanta, though. I'm glad you're liking it so far. And you work for Porsche, correct? Yeah. As we'd say in Atlanta, bless his heart. But yeah, no, I, I'm at uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm at Porsche North America. Um, our headquarters are down here. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I could only imagine. <laughs> but it, but the kind of the path for you to get there was actually kind of neat. Because I remember you mentioned that it was almost like a long shot for you to get that internship and things just worked out but would you be willing to tell tell our listeners kind of like your journey on how how you were able to make it there yeah i was uh, i studied marketing in my uh undergrad and uh junior year went in a lot of the people in the, in the marketing program at BYU especially they kind of were in the mindset they wanted to go into consumer packaged goods sometimes into sales that wasn't that wasn't really my vibe. I I chose marketing because like we were talking earlier about Coke. I I think the connection that a brand has with its customers or with consumers in general is really fascinating because 
there's something about us psychologically, right, that we have to have Coke, even though people have proven the taste difference is negligible. People will still fight to the death to tell you, no, it's way different. It's way different, bro. So I, I wanted to work with it before a cool brand. I thought I, you know, had inroads at one company. Um, I was really optimistic about that. Didn't work out. And uh, it was just one day. Um, all my roommates and friends were out skiing or snowboarding. It was uh, January 2019. I was feeling down. And I just decided, and I just thought, hey, what are all my favorite brands from way back in the day um, or throughout my entire life? And, you know, you think of the Adidas and that type of stuff. But I just thought, okay, Porsche Carrera GT, dream, first dream car. So I looked online careers, found that found a few that I applied to. Um, but one, I remember I was just like, ah, eh, starts February, 2019. They probably filled the position in six months. Yeah. What the heck? I'll just apply, but it's, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything. Fast forward a few weeks. I got a call. Um, it was like February 5th, the first Monday in February, I was in the library studying for a, an exam that I procrastinated to death on. He goes, oh, hi, this is Grant. And I see Atlanta, George. I'm just like, oh, here we go. A telemarketer going to hit me up in Mandarin about how I'm, you know, delinquent on my social security or IRS. Sorry. <laughs> and it was, you know, now my old manager from the internship. And he was just like, yeah, you're, you know, in the middle of your semester, I imagine you probably wouldn't be able to make it out here. And I said, no, I would. Yeah, I would draw. And he's like, really? And I'm like, oh, 110% serious. So I interviewed, moved to Atlanta two weeks, two and a half weeks notice, took a my semester remote and intern there and uh fast forward here i am dang <laughs> that's 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 freaking sweet man that's that's super cool especially because it uh you know the the whole 2020 theme itself it's like man you just it, it, it's like we're not necessarily like everyone in, in our close circles but i mean it's i mean the nation in general is going through a lot of things be it you know, people's actual physical health because of the virus or because of all the economic, uh, you know, crap that's happening. But yeah. I think it makes it that much better when you could see somebody out there like, wow, getting dream jobs, being able to like go and do really cool things. Like, you know, I, I like that's I, I was like, wow, that's freaking awesome that, that that you were able to have something really, really awesome happen. I think we need to celebrate that crap more and amongst friends you know even more than normal like i don't think it takes a virus for us to like be invested in our friends and make sure like you know they're happy they're they're doing things that are fulfilling but i i just think it's so refreshing to hear you know success stories and uh you know during all this all this craziness all this covid madness no for sure like it it, it bothered it bothered me to, a ton just because there was uncertainty uh, start date and stuff getting pushed back and millions of people lost jobs, internships, full-time offers and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, I definitely think, and the problem is you're used to the LinkedIn humble bragging where, you know, people are say hashtag bus. I don't post that type of stuff. I'll talk to somebody about it. Like right now, if you ask about it um, and I mean, my, my, my getting an internship, it was, I wouldn't say I was the most, I'm not, I wasn't the most compelling candidate by any means, but I just put myself out there and said, listen, um, this is what kind of makes me tick as a person, as an aspiring professional, you guys have this down. This is how I feel I can contribute. Um, but I was even thinking about, I was just running on the treadmill earlier today. I kind of pushing myself a little bit more, um, in the gym. And I, uh, I was just thinking like, man, I really do not want to go to the gym, but I'm so stoked. Like I'm doing better than I have been in the last couple of weeks. And it, it's just, it sounds so trite, but it's 
really when we're most feeling the least motivated, I think that's when we kind of have those moments of truth, whatever you want to call them. Right. And, right. and we, it, it's really easy to look back and be like, Oh yeah, it wasn't that, it wasn't that difficult kind of pushing through on that. I, I felt super depressed. I remember uh, January, 2019 about getting rejected and having no real options and thinking, Oh shoot, was I dumb and kind of foregoing these uh, CPG consumer package, good sales um, things, but I just tried doing my best and it worked out. And I think, we, we can't get so impatient and discouraged when, you know, we're trying, when we think we have to run a three minute mile and we're only at, you know, eight minutes or whatever it is. Right. Right. The fact right. that, and it really comes down to it. And that's something I've struggled with my whole life. It was in athletics and academics, whatever is not being able to go fast enough. Um, so I, I think you, you gotta go have- fast. You gotta go fast, dude. Get a get a you know get that Carrera GT. Maybe add some nitrous for that you know Tokyo drift. But no, but for real, dude. You know, it, 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 it's such a discouraging, awful year. Like I can't, we can't wait for it to be done. And it's like, sheesh, it's already October, less than ninety days until Christmas. Like, you know, all right. You bring up a really good point, though. In how I, I think part of. I don't know. I, this is mainly speaking personally and then also just, you know, in in conversation with others. But it seems like a lot of times the expectations that we place our, on ourselves can be heavily influenced uh, by our peers, what they're accomplishing. Uh, and, and, and that's easy now because it's social media and everybody's taking, you know, these big milestone moments or these big important things and they put them up there and then you know if you know you put that against your background and you're like well um, what what do, what do I have to show for myself uh, no, which is something that's been tough for me cuz i'm so behind the curve compared to like people that i'm 29 and uh i i am so much farther behind than most of my peers in terms of like uh terms of like uh you know family wise or starting accolades or uh you know getting getting degrees or things like that like i'm i've got friends who are finishing up their doctorates and i'm like barely finishing up my bachelor's but uh i mean the important thing to take away from a lot of these is i i just think everybody's path in life is i don't think it's clear cut like destiny uh what you're meant to accomplish everybody's got their own path. They got to walk. I don't think there's a uniform standard of uh, like a, like a recipe for happiness and people just have to go at it at their own pace and learn things at their own level. And things will fall into place. If you just keep at it, if you don't give up, you know, I think that's the most important. Well, even like two things come to mind. Number one is unfortunately we have such a large population. How do we differentiate? How do we rank people? And that's, that's where we get into the whole mindset of, you know, got to get A's in elementary school so that I can get into the advanced, you know, into the more advanced classes in middle school. That way I can be prepared for the AP IB courses in high school so I can get into this college. And that way I can get this job and then I can have this money. And we, and we also approach life. We approach everything in this psyche that we just like to compartmentalize and oversimplify and make it seem like everything is so linear. Like how many late bloomers are there, not just athletics, but, you know, so many other um, aspects uh, professionally, you see these people, and it's like, yeah, I was broke until I was 45, and then I made it big. Um, but and, and that's the thing about social media is like, you, you follow me, I'm posting memes, I post things that I think are cool. I don't really post a whole lot of updates. Like I posted about being in Atlanta, being so stoked, but 
I didn't say right. I didn't say a word about my internship. All right, I did. I said, hey, those of you wondering, I'm in Atlanta. I'm interning here. But it was brief. Yeah, it's like I, I don't. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, thank. Like obviously, I recognize the Lord's hand and the hand of providence in guiding me there. But I, I don't want to go on some self righteous steps, you know, pedestal and just say, look at me. I'm so hashtag blessed because it just discourages people under the day. But I like, you know, I like saying, listen, I had a pretty crappy first few months of 2020. It was really difficult. And uh, these are some things I did to, you know, kind of take myself out of that situation. It was really tough. Don't get me wrong, but there's hope. So, you know, whatever my two cents are on that, I hope you can try and find a way to apply it. If we worried about that, instead of portraying some, you know, some romanticized, facade and we were just more authentic in that sense that's what make it yeah. i think that make a huge difference like there were guys literally last year saying to my buddy and me well i have interviews at apple and at google and stuff I'm like wow that's really great and they were freaking uh they're just saying okay you applied basically you're not like kim jong-un so do like a recorded <laughs> interview just and basically the ai looks for certain keywords that was their right. interview it's not an interview and they're saying oh i have an interview you know, and it's just like stuff like that. Yeah, we have our insecurities, but then it also, it all, it also augments our insecurities. So it's just like, just be real, dude. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Sam. I'm 29. It's like I'm Grant. I'm 24, trying to grow my hair. Um, and uh, <laughs> oh, I gave up on that one. <laughs> I, I'm not coming home yet. In the words of Charles Barkley, I'm not coming home yet. But yeah, I spend way too much money on sneakers, and probably because I'm insecure about. Um, other aspects of my life. That's how I like what's the, uh, so what's the latest, what's the latest grab? I, I actually, I, I bought my first pair of air maxes. Yeah. Um, ones are air max. Uh, let's see. These are the air max. I don't know. I'm, I'm a derp with these ones here. Let me grab them really quick. I'll, I'll show them to you. There we go. Let's see. I'll bring them. Let me grab them. These. 90s baby yeah the 90s yeah and they're fantastic i i love them i honestly like didn't know what to expect from them uh when i when i got them i was like well color's nice on them i got a discount from nike because because i'm still in school and uh it's like well that's rad you know why not like cool why not or cool sneakers like after i finished playing soccer and stuff were um it's the infrared um flight at 90s and it was super Ooh. funny they sold out everywhere they were reselling for a ton but this one store in salt lake vice just had a pair i went in after a knee surgery and uh, my mom drove me up we go in i'm like oh i want to check out this store i want to you know get some get get a cool pair of sneakers as possible and i'm like wait and then i'm like ah, i don't think a nine and a half is gonna fit me with ten and a half and he's like no like people were going down a full size in this run for whatever reason and they fit no way i love them dude i love them i wear those things to death i love them so that's nuts 90 dude difference? good start on the 90s yeah i'm typically a ten and a half. Oh man but the fly but you know yes is what made it dude Flynet, Flynet is magical i i have a decent amount of fly nets that i've acquired over the years uh and then but i really like what nike's done with their react stuff um the react is actually a pretty comfy uh comfy midsole although like ultra boost is still king in that like my ultra boosts are like some of the most comfortable shoes yep i've ever worn to date yep um like hands down uh i wish i would have kept some of my yeezys 
I I tried flipping. I forget which releases they were, but I bought a couple of them, then just flipped them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I wish I would have hung on to those. I think it would have been cream neat. whites, the all whites, one of them. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes, it was the cream whites, and those were the by far the easiest ones to resell because they had so many available. Like it was me being derpish and and not thinking. I was just like, yeah, cool. There's a lot of them available, and then like, <laughs> wait a second. There's a lot of them available. Resale's not going to be that high. Uh oh. <laughs> but you live and you learn. Yeah. Well, even speaking of that, and we're talking about authenticity and stuff. I, so I was just in New York, right? And I yeah. uh, let me let me go. I, I have to answer two. Go grab them. I have to answer your question. <laughs> yes. All right. So first ever pair of Jordan threes. I got these. Oh, these boy. were the fragment release that just dropped. Just very. Oh, those are fresh. There's a, it's just a cleanup where I really like it and it doesn't have one thing I haven't liked is it, they have the cements and like around here towards the toe box mm. and the heel cup they'll have the cement design I don't like it I think it looks cheap they have a little translucent Jordan I don't know if you can see it and then they have the yeah. fragment logo fragment just a they've made some other Jordans that are extremely hyped but cements are like the go-to though for the threes i feel like that's and like I like them that's why i haven't gotten them and i'm like <laughs> they just don't have cement here uh, i don't i don't blame you though i mean that but that's the one that they they stick to those the most man like 100 they yeah, use and, those all the time and that's what jordan and stuff we're wearing and i respect like and, and i don't want to you know i have like one of my really good friends zach loves his and he he rocks them i'm just not a fan but these speaking of hype and stuff so i wore these chinese new year's Oh, wow. In uh, New York. And you can see it says like Nike, like in Mandarin Nike. It's got a peg yeah. on the back. Um, it, they released earlier this year. Got them at a good, you know, got them barely above retail. Um, haggled the guy to death. But <laughs> point is, they're not super hyped shoes. They're definitely not my most hyped up shoes. But yeah, it's like my 90s that I got the infrareds like they were hyped, but it's not like they're Travis Scott's or off whites or, you know, some earlier versions of the Yeezys. But it's so funny. Those are the ones I always get compliments on from sneakerheads, from regular people. It, it's kind of funny. Like, you don't have many people. Like, I have a pair of off-whites, and they're comfortable. Um, but do I love them to death? No. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I have off-whites. They're just white Prestos. I think they're cool, for sure. Yeah. Different vibe. But people won't come up to me, but like, oh, fresh kicks. They'll just be, or those are really cool shoes. They'll just be like, oh, dude, those are off-whites, huh? So it's like literally the only reason you're making that comment is because it's a hyped sneaker. Right. But it's like the way that I look at it, the whole reason I, I, I've always been into footwear. I haven't gotten in. I wasn't into sneakers until 20 January, 2017 was it's a way to express myself and, you know, have a little bit of fun with, you know, maybe an otherwise mundane outfit show that right. I do appreciate an eclectic um, type of, you know, get up right i'm wearing wearing a chinese new year air max when i'm not chinese and i'm gonna be honest i don't even know when they celebrate chinese new year uh, I, I think it's like q1 um yeah but just yeah like that. It, it, it shares a story it kind of you know helps demonstrate that i have a i have a sense of you know appreciation for some type of more sophisticated um detail but it's like Dude, if you're just wearing a shoe and you're just you know salivating over it because it resells for over a thousand dollars, it's like so much more life than that, man. Some of them are ugly as sin. If you oh. go through a, 
I'll go through a goat and uh, mm-hmm. I don't buy a lot of a goat, but I just I, I scan through. I'm a big window shopper, virtual window window shopper, if you will, My, minus the shopping. Uh, and, uh, and I'll, I mean, I'll go through and look at them. I'm like, how are these selling for this much? Like the Balenciagas on there that are just like the triple disgusting. They're awful, dude. Well, they're freaking $900 MSRP to begin with. Yeah. I'm like, this is, those are flex shoes. This is like, I'm going to prove a point by saying I, I could, you know, I, I had enough money to buy these, even though they're hideous. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous to me. And again, it, I, some people legitimately like the feel but to me i'm like dude these things weigh like three pounds it's like walking <laughs> it's literally walking like with a glorified like somewhat chiseled cinder block on my foot that's like dyed all of these clashing ugly colors but again it's like i see somebody wearing that and it's like whatever some people you can tell are really comfortable in their own skin and it's like cool i you know you're rocking that whatever but you see others and it's like dude you are just like dripping and sweating in labels it's like <laughs> would you wear that if it said sketchers absolutely not i don't know man what, what if we get a supreme sketchers uh collaboration it'll sell out it'll sell out it'll sell out. <laughs> like so it's <laughs> like i like I, I was just at the store the other day I just thought it was funny. I paid 10 bucks for them a little adhesive stickers. <laughs> it was like 30 bucks. And I'm like, what the heck? And I got, I got a cool beanie. It wasn't hyped at all, but it's like, yeah, yeah. I like some of this stuff, but it's like all my favorite things from them are not the hyped things. It's like, dude, you, you like when people call me a hype beast, I'm kind of like, eh, please don't call me that. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify you as a hype beast. I call you brand conscious. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a Supreme is really fascinating to me as a business case. Carlisle Group private equity shop invested half a billion dollars for just under fifty uh, percent share in the company, and they haven't even done five hundred million in all-time cumulative sales. Like I can say that for a fact without seeing their financials. <laughs> How cool is that? They're paying for all the intangibles. When to a lot of people today it's ludicrous, but ten years ago, especially people were like, "You're insane." But how cool? How cool is that? It's just like, a, I don't give a crap attitude, whatever. Like, we're cool. We know it. it you, like, you can hang out with us if you want. Like, that attitude <laughs> is just, it, it's appealing to people. Scarcity, you know, scarcity theory. We want most of what we can't have. Yeah. Pain's well, and, logo, and, $1,000 resale. Boom. Well, and the, and the fact that they just, they, that's the brand that they have. Like, they've been able to, yeah. to get such a following with something where it's like, where is this coming from? Like you mentioned, it's not like, well, because we're, we're, we're competitive because of where we, where we make our shirts and our textiles and you know, how we, how we have our supply chain set up. Like, no, that that's not it at all. Like they've just, they've gone out and killed it. It's just like, that's respect. They stuck to their, they, they stick to their core principles and, you know, say what you want about them. But that's again, what makes it fascinating to me. Like, I remember seeing Supreme stickers and stuff every now and then. It was totally like its own little cult underground following. And then after, you know, my mission in Ohio, I get back in 2016, all of a sudden people are flipping the heck out about this stuff. And I'm like, you mean that skate brand that everyone was all about? And, you know, I, I, again, I own a few pieces. I'm like, I got this hat earlier this year with their uh, Barber collab. Barber's yeah. is, you know, it's a classic British brand. They make vests and jackets, and, the, and they have a royal charter from the royal family, right? Like a royal stamp of approval. That's funny to me. 
you know, just kind of like that rebel underground F you F the establishment collaborating with an establishment English royalty <laughs> pedigree brand. It's just funny to me. I love it. That's a good collab. There is one brand that I know you are very passionate about and that's Kith. Love it, dude. <laughs> What's played into that? There it is right there. Reppin. No, um, it's funny. My roommate, like he probably thinks I'm insane. I, I order so much stuff from them. I, cause they just had a drop last week and I was ordering it just in uh, spurts one at a time. Cause if you try to go for everything at once in one order, it all sells out. So I'm like, okay, go for priority right. one, two, three. Right. So three yeah. separate shipments. Um, but it's funny, 2016, actually, um, July 2016, I was visiting my sister and her husband. They had recently moved to New York. She was at law school. She was just about to start law school when my brother-in-law was working and uh, starting his career in finance um, on Park Avenue. It was so funny. We were just walking in Soho one day, and it was funny. I remember I was looking for a cool hat. I got a friggin' awful looking hat that day. I wore it like three times. <laughs> I was like, this sucks. Um, but I was like looking for a cool hat. And we're just walking by, we're walking on Bleecker and Broadway, just on that corner in Soho. And I just see the store, like literally I'm walking right next to it on my right. And I guess like for the Utahns who are listening, we're walking north in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) On Broadway, right? Um, And, you know, you got the mountains over there to the right. You got the other mountains over there to your left for reference. But uh, I'm walking by. It's like, okay, this store, this looks really cool. This store, I'd never heard of it. I didn't even see a logo, you know, above the entrance because it wasn't their main entrance. It was just a smaller entrance. And I was like, this store is sick. I'm like, hey, mom, Jessica, Trey, you mind if I go in? Yeah, go in. And it was, I have never experienced anything like this. Like, there's just some, you know, some rap music. It's not really blasting, but it has heavy bass. And I see everyone, and I knew what Yeezys were. Yeah. Everyone in there seemed like had freaking V1 Yeezys. They had Turtle Doves, Pirate Blacks, um, Moon Rocks. They had um, Oxford Tans, everything. And they weren't, and obviously Kith has sold them, but they weren't selling them in the moment. They got sold out. But I see all these really cool people. I'm like, that was the shoe to wear. And I was, and I went into their sneaker section. I have it in my closet, the first ever um, purchase from Kith. It was a Nike um, Flyknit Air Force One. Um, and, oh, nice. and have to go down a full size. It's blue. It's really cool. Again, I, oh, I, I, do, I get compliments virtually every time I wear it. And I just loved it. And I loved the bag. And it just it, it just had this bespoke dimension. And nobody had heard of it. I only my one friend, Anna Marie, who uh, I knew from high school, she went to NYU. She was at NYU at the time. She was the only person I knew that had heard of it. Wow. And I remember going to BYU and I had, you know, some Kith stuff. And people were like, what's what's Keith? Or, oh, Kith, <laughs> oh, like Kiss, but Mike Thomas. And I'm like, no, it's like Kith and Ken, you know, family, yeah. or, uh, friends and family. And just over time, just more and more and more, literally half my closet is Kith. Um, it's, it's, only, it's only hats, T-shirts, jackets, and sweatshirts. I don't have any pants or shorts from them. Um, I don't go that crazy. And then, you know, I have a a pair of Ronnie Feig um, boosts that I um, accidentally 
um that's a funny story but me what i love i i know i'm going around circles because i can talk about this all day but no you're okay that's why i had you on (laughs) you 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 can you can talk about interesting yeah you can talk about interesting stuff i think you're okay (laughs) no but what's so cool and a lot of people just say like oh their stuff is overpriced to me 70 dollars for a t-shirt a real especially it's really high quality stuff it's not hanes supreme it's funny. People would say, oh, yeah, dude, Kith is, you know, Kith's a bunch of bricks. Like what they mean by that is it doesn't resell at the high right. prices that it used to. And it's like, well, I guess I don't wear it to re, I don't buy it to resell it, dude. I buy it to rock it. And yeah. um, and, and it's so funny. It's like, oh, Kith is dead. And it's like, no, nah, they sell out. They have a location in Brooklyn. They have their own outlet in Bergdorf, the highest end store department store in New York. They have Kith Soho. They have um, one in Montauk that's seasonal in the Hamptons. They have um, Kith LA, Kith Miami, Kith Tokyo. They have one in London. <laughs> many locations, and the brand's nine years. It's not even ten years old, right? Wow. But um, I, what, what I love about them is, and I guess we're using Supreme as like the reference point, but you'll see a lot of brands they do collaborations, and that's like a big point of difference now. Let's collaborate, right? Mm-hmm. And what bothers me so much is they're just kind of like, okay, um, if I'm Apple and you're Nike, then, you know, let's just slap a little Nike logo on our watch. And to me, it's like, again, that appeals to somebody, but it's like, what, what, what message are we really trying to portray? And one could argue, you know, Nike's into innovation and technology, you know, with, um, you know, using the, with Air Max and that little air bubble in the midsoles, look at the, the way that they push the boundaries. So you could argue that, but you'll see some people and it's like, Hey, like there's this one brand, Vetements, it's such overpriced garbage. And they did a, a collaboration with DHL. And then they just <laughs> sent their stuff to like some freaking like poser influencers back in the day. And people were flipping out and literally they're spending $250 on crew, crew socks made in, made in oh China gosh. for probably 75 cents, if even. And they say DHL on them. What does that communicate? Oh, I just like it because it's expensive. But what I love about Kith is they they did their um, Disney um, collaboration um, December of last year, and they released their Koth, uh, their Kith Coke collaboration, their fourth year running. Um, they do it every July. It was amazing seeing what Ronnie Feig, the founder, did. He wasn't just putting on a Kith box logo and putting you know Mickey Mouse on it. That's one of the things he did. But he's going yeah. in the archives and saying, "Hey, Fantasia Disney." you know, 1930s or 20s that the OG um, Mickey, Fantasia Mickey, excuse me. He was looking at all these different iterations of Mickey and saying, this is what these different shirts and lines and pieces are going to say. Um, I remember last year, the whole Kith Coca-Cola drop was kind of, it was based in Hawaii. It was supposed to be more of that tropical vibe, you know, beach, crack open a cold one with the boys, you know, drink some Coke. <laughs> this year is kind of like, it was that vintage Midwest feel because of COVID, um, they weren't able to do it, but they were actually going to have a giant semi truck with this really cool Kith Coca Cola. It's like a faded vintage look that just looked amazing, and they're going to drive around. Um, and I had to freaking have everything in that collaboration, <laughs> I, like everything, right? Um, but I, just w- the reason I love Kith is they stand by their core values. They're inclusively exclusive. That's what I always say. And when they do a collaboration, it's never lazy. They're always, they're always saying, okay, what, are, what, what are the elements? What's the personality of the brand entity, whoever we're collaborating with? 
And then what's us? Who are we? And then melding that. And I think they do such a brilliant job. The materials that Ronnie Feig and the team put into it. It's like, I am continually amazed. It's literally like, sir, here's a blank check with my name written on it. Write any amount I will pay. <laughs> like, I literally spent way too much money this last Saturday at Kiff. But I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but brand loyalty is something, I mean, it, yeah. If, if you're truly, if, if you are not primarily driven by like your bottom line or let's keep our shareholders happy all the time or, or you know, things that frequently beset uh, you know, businesses, corporations that partake in different types of ventures and things like that. Um, there's a lot that you can gain out of it. Things that like necessarily on paper, like they don't have on their balance sheet every year. Like when they have it, like they're not going to be like, all right. And Grant, Grant Drevis's, uh, uh, brand loyalty. This is what we value this at. You know, they don't, they don't have like a specific dollar amount just for you, but the fact that they're willing to, to stay true to those values, it, that's just one of the intangibles that you like, like you mentioned about Supreme that keeps businesses like that, that gives them their flair, their authenticity. And there's, I don't see a problem, you know, paying a little bit more for something like it, it, that's just, that's just, that's just economics, bro. That's the value I attribute to this item. hundred <laughs> percent. I was talking to a good friend of mine and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to him, but we were talking, he said, uh, about some kith drop and he said oh man that tea looks really cool but man 75 dollars like supreme i can get it for 55 and i just said dude supreme you're gonna have holes in it by the end of the year and i said yeah. i've had kith shirts since 2017 and they're holding up better than nicer shirts yeah it's an experiment that i think everybody should go through at one point in time where you're where like the first thing you look at is not price like I think it's important to keep that in the equation when you're looking for something, but I think, and it's not just like, I want a premium product. It's like, look for something else besides price. And you'll be surprised at what value you'll attribute. Like I bought, I bought some, uh, more expensive, uh, uh, t-shirts. I'm normally like, I want, the, I want to get these suckers for like, I don't know, five, 10 bucks. Like I, I remember buying some like V-neck t-shirts from American Eagle because they were cheap. And, three or four times through the wash and they're just like like i like like it's not worth it but i so i found some other brands the biggest one that i've liked as of late is dark seas um which they i wouldn't even know really how to describe it but their stuff fits super well fits better than anything i've ever worn Mm -hmm. and i bought one of their t it was just a white t-shirt you know knitted on their um their logo on it and that was it i paid a little bit extra than normal on it but it has its condition has stayed pretty good and it's comfortable the size on it is like it's not just run of the mill like you don't like if like if you have a t-shirt from dark seas versus american eagle they don't use the same uh you know they don't use the same cutouts and stuff when they're when they're making their shirts they like there's there's different nuances that companies have and i think it's worthwhile to look into them and if if it works for you and what you're looking for in your value system cool then attribute your price to it and see how much you really you know are willing to pay for it and you know one of those t-shirts i like i'm i'm fine with i'd probably buy another one or two of them uh it'd be better than having to buy new american eagle ones all the time because they uh literally the collars start to like shrivel up on them uh they start to get the dress look part of that's because of my obesity but you know like other stuff like they start to poof out on the bottoms like 
you know but it's it's things like that that that, that just amaze me how quick consumers are so just like price 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 is first thing and it's like let's take a step back you know what are some other things that you want and then and then let's talk about talk about the money well because it's very interesting when you look at this stuff from a pure and i know it's not a you know marketing theory um discussion but there's just that pure utility and, and price is a big dimension of utility and also does it get the job done and basically what what costs are required not just financial cognitively emotionally all these different aspects in order to get the job done and but that's what i appreciate about luxury brands it's like a porsche at the end of the day in atlanta la whatever traffic traffic around the mountain in lehigh it's really not going to get you from point a to point b any faster when you're in rush hour as opposed to the prius or the 2005 honda civic why do people want to buy them and that's what fascinates me that's what yeah. is so cool to explore and to try and understand and then leverage and not in a deceitful way but that augments my my sense of my identity wearing kith right it yeah it impacts the way that i perceive myself and how i think others perceive me and i can go and talk to people about this thing that attracts us it's it's wearing a, it's wearing a sports jersey yeah that's the, that's that's the that's the tribe that i prescribe to and want to belong to you know sometimes it's a little controversial you know i go to a if I'm wearing a LeBron Lakers jersey at a <laughs> TD Garden, but you know, screw them. That's what I want to. How'd see. you? How I think it's a good tangent. How how did you feel about the? Uh, what was it last night? Last night was game one. Yeah, last night. Time is weird, man. I I, I literally can't, can't tell what day it is. Oh, I just don't try bothering anymore. <laughs> it moves too quickly. It moves too slow. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just here in the simulation, enjoying it while I can. <laughs> but uh, yeah. What what did you think of the game? It was funny at first. I'm thinking, okay, you know, like LeBron tends to start games pretty slow. Right. And the way that basketball is, it's all about momentum. We saw that yesterday. Lakers one hundred percent. And I think at one point thirteen or sixteen, and then they they're blowing Miami out, and then when they get the lead gets down to twenty. You know, Vogel's like, okay, timeout, timeout. It's, 20 <laughs> point, it's only a 20-point, you know, let's not get the – it's all about momentum in basketball, you know. Yeah. That's why underdogs can win so much more than football, soccer, hockey, baseball, et cetera. It's all about momentum. And you get the right. most – and you, you definitely get the biggest return on, you know, momentum in basketball. That's what I see as a fan. But LeBron paid well. Um, Anthony Davis had a killer night. And – what I like is, yeah, he's getting, he's close to 30, which is nuts to think about. Um, Cause he's always been kind of like that young rookie coming out of Kansas and stuff. Kansas, right? Um, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Still with a K. <laughs> yeah, You're I, close. I bad. I'm not a big college ball <laughs> guy. I'm not a, I'm not a huge basketball guy, but I enjoy watching NBA. Um, but yeah. he's, he's like young, especially in his playoff experience. That was his finals debut. What a way to have it. I think, I, I think the Lakers could, I think they could sweep. I don't want to, I, I think at most it's gone six games. Um, game two is going to be a big response for Miami. And if the Lakers can weather it, I think it's done. It's over. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting because Miami had two big injuries in Bam Adebayo mm-hmm. and Goran Dragic. And it'll be interesting to see how that affects things. But one of the, one of the benefits that Miami had, you know, going along with what you said, they were able to tap into momentum. I mean, they were a five seed. So they oh, were underdogs. Them. It was going to be Bucks, Lakers, or Clippers. 
Yeah, they've been underdogs in multiple, I think every series they played, because first series they played against, yeah, they would have been the four seed. And then, the, yeah, then they played against the Bucks, And, they, yeah, so they've they've been, uh, you know, the lowest seeded opponent in every single series they've been in. Yeah. But because they have that depth, they're able to capitalize on their momentum so easily. Like, you know, that's that's one of the things that will be interesting to see. Okay, now that, now that that whole pecking order has been, you know, it's been diminished a little bit. We'll see how they, how they play out. I'm just, I'm amazed that LeBron is in year 17 or 18. And he wore every category for somebody who's their 17th season. They pulled up that statistic and was like, are, wait, what? Oh, but he's playing when he was 18. It's like, yeah, who, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, who cares if he did when he was 28 or 18? I, I really don't care. Like he, he's been, so freaking impressive. And I've been a huge critic of LeBron for a very long time, but I've also tried to remain balanced in the fact that like you have to give him credit where credit is due. Game and that's on a Denver. lot of things. Well, I saw a tweet from Skip Bayless like an hour or so before I got on here and he's like, well, he's had the easiest path to a ring. And I hate that argument because it's like, well, no, he like LeBron had a magnificent unreal performance in game five against the team that dismantled the Clippers and held, you know, um, playoff, um, playoff, Paul, uh, playoff P and uh, Kawhi like less than <laughs> 10 points in a, in a in second half of game seven. Like that's right. impressive. That team was better than the Clippers. The Clippers were hot and cold all year and they were, and they were uh, doing load management the whole time. What a bunch of freaking sissies. They had yep. five months to fully recover from injuries, but you have hate, you know, Skip Bayless just does it for the clicks, but yeah, he's a bum. He's a sensation. He's a, he's a sensationalist. He's like, uh, MSM dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's MSM. He's very much so a Stephen A. Smith type of individual that just needs to get loud, needs to say things that just hey, get I make 10,000 predictions. I'm bound to get one right. And then I'll let you know for the next 10,000 years that I got the one in 10,000. <laughs> oh, it's too, it's too funny. I, but man, LeBron is, it's, I was pers- personally, I was bummed that he didn't win MVP. I thought it was like too often. It comes down to like the stats argument, like let's compare across the board and every number. And it's like, you have to go by the eye test. Every time they played the bucks, Giannis looked like, looked like Bambi compared to LeBron. Like LeBron just like, yeah, he might score a few less points every game and might have a few less rebounds, but his role uh, on that team is so clear-cut and defined, and, like, somebody like Anthony Davis is still the clear number two on that team. Like, it's it's so that speaks a lot to how freaking good LeBron is. And it's year 17. It is year 17, which, uh, you know, kind of brings me to another thing that, that you know, I, another topic that we wanted to kind of go over was uh the good old soccer scene mm-hmm. and uh it's like ronaldo it's like uh ronaldo and messi are still like those are like the gold standard and and they're i think they're the same age as lebron i think they're both 35 right i think messi messi's 33 cristiano is 35 no it's crazy they uh i i think it was bleach report football or i forget what page i followed they 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 just posted another um they were they posted like flashbacks of like I forgot that Ronaldo played for Manchester United way back in the day. I was in high school when he was playing there. <laughs> 2004. It was like 07? 2004 or... to 2009. 
and he was he was really freaking good. I mean, this the level of play that he's been on for years it's astounding. But man, soccer's just such a cool sport, and it does not get the love. It really doesn't get enough love here in the states. Why is that? Well, the immediate point of reference, you know what? If if I'm getting up or if I'm watching a primetime game and I have my if I have Miami Lakers and then here's an MLS game, I'm going to be even as a soccer fan, I'm going to be watching the NBA game. Clearly, uh, the level of play and I, it isn't about the men's national team. I'm talking about the domestic league, major league soccer. The players, um, the pay isn't nearly as competitive, so you're not going to get as talented of players. The way that the organization is run, that's another two hours. That's a minimum two hours. <laughs> how I don't, how I, how I just think MLS needs to move on to the next phase. Stop being in, you know, early, um, you know, austere, cautious growth mode and worry about consolidating quality rather than trying to expand the quantity of teams, right? Um, yeah. There's so many issues. And I, th- and I remember as a kid, um, people used to, we had grass fairies, this grass fairies, that, but I remember after the 2014 world cup, especially, I really think that that whole dimension changed. Um, they, we had a, we had an exciting uh, cup run in the world cup on the men's side. Um, you know, women have won, you know, they've won a few world cup titles most recently, um, last year. And yeah, you know, it's, um, I just think end of the day, it's more entertaining if, you know, it's a Saturday night to be watching, you know, an NBA or, you know, a, a Stanley Cup playoff game instead of Columbus crew against, um, you know, Orlando, right? Because it's just, a, you can just tell, let's say I don't like either sport. I can tell that there's a major gulf in disparity in quality. Right. It's not as intense. It's not as fast paced. Now, if we're talking European soccer, it's a completely different discussion, but that's, you know, being out that's played in the mornings, but there's a big issue because I think that we, as Americans, we love to have that superiority complex, you know, back-to-back world champs. We call the, 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 the team that wins the Super Bowl the world champions. We call the NBA um, <laughs> team that wins the world champions, right? Cause we're unequivocally the best in football and basketball soccer. We're not, I think that if uh, we find a way to further incentivize fans to buy into their local teams and into the domestic league in general, that's going to really help boost, I'd say, the respect of the game. But it's growing tremendously. I think the main issues are the economics of you have Atlanta United out here owned by Arthur Blank, a billionaire, more than that. That company has the resources to pay every player five million a year. Obviously, I'm yeah. not saying they should. Um, I don't believe in a salary floor. I just believe it should be definitely more um, free enterprise as it is in Europe. It's ironic that the you know free market country, as opposed to the more socialistic countries, has the more socialistic sports leagues as opposed to you know the the soccer leagues over in Europe. And you have financial fair play and stuff um, to make sure people right. aren't overspending. But it's kind of a joke. Wasn't that an issue with um, uh, Manchester City? Yeah, but you know, they're corrupt. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? They're freaking wiring money. They're wiring money over to these guys in court of arbitration for sports. And like, oh, no, it's all good. Here's a little slap on the wrist. Here's a two million uh, pound, a great British pound fine. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like you're supposed to be booted from the Champions League. 
And for you know, yeah, that I remember. Uh, it's a Super Bowl uh, of European soccer. It's a big freaking deal. You're playing the best in every country. Oh, it's a big deal. Man, Champions League is so cool. They uh, on Amazon they've they've got that all or nothing series, and they were talking about uh, it was Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur. And a lot of the time they were like, well, wait a second, Manchester City might not qualify, so we might be able to get in. Like, you know, they were right outside of that, of that Twice. fourth place standing. And uh, they were they were freaking out because they're like, well, if Manchester City doesn't get to go through, awesome. And then it showed their faces when they got the notification saying that Manchester City was, you know, they were still allowed to play. And all of them were just completely devastated. But, you know, that's, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Yeah, and the fact is, it's kind of like Hillary with the emails or Trump with the impeachment. The people judging them and issuing the verdicts basically saying, yeah, there was foul play, but we're you know, going to overlook it. By the way, notice, bipartisan statement. You can agree, you can disagree with Max <laughs> that analogy. Boom. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Moderate. <laughs> I think, it, you know, MLS, it's like... Teams have been, had support in certain ways. Like, I know, I read something. I had no clue that Atlanta even had a team. And then I read an article about how Waka Flocka was getting, like, super involved and and, and stuff oh, they, like that. They have, and, the, they have been the standard. What they've done is they're just they're a three-year-old franchise, right? Yeah. They they get it, – it's not a surprise to get 70, 71,000 people in the stadium and sell it out. It's not. At first they said, oh, you know, let's close the upper tier – and they had such high demand. People were like, "Dude, we want more. We fill up that upper bowl. It's crazy." Yeah. And um, I just finished Arthur Blank's book, Good Company. Highly recommend it. And he talks a little bit about Atlanta United and the behind-the-scenes stuff. But they invested in non-American infrastructure. They brought in, you know, American Darren Eels, who's who was at Tottenham actually for years. Brought him in yeah. to, to lead all the soccer operations. They had Tata Martino, who was a former Barcelona coach, and he coached them. No surprise. And they didn't just go for the older European players. And that was that's another problem with MLS. That's textbook. Textbook MLS. It's and I, all right, they're Beckham to death, don't get me wrong. He improved the league in so many ways that it would be it'd be a decade minimum. It would be two decades in order to catch up to if, if he was it would have been two decades if he had not come to be able to get to that level he immediately gave parity to the league, at least for older European stars. But Atlanta invested in young guys, Joseph Martinez. Um, uh, I remember Miguel Amaron, who got picked up by Newcastle and was playing in the Premier League regularly. Let's get young South American dudes, pay them still well, incentivize them. They can go live in the United States, you know, you know, live the American dream, play soccer. Boom. That's why they dominated. Yeah. Well, and, it, and, it, and their fans freaking love them, dude. Their fans well, love them. Well, and it's and you can compete. I mean, because there there are players like it, it, like the international scene on soccer is so competitive, and there are great players in virtually any country that knows of the sport. And you know, there's a market for it. It's I mean, it, I mean, even for the U.S. side, we've got more U.S. guys now in Europe. They just announced today uh, uh, that one dude uh, who was playing for Ajax is not going to be playing for Barcelona. Um, Byron was at, Byron was after him the right back yeah Dust he was he, he he did well at Ajax I didn't see anything you know the the coverage here is so limited so I'm not an effective very um, yeah yeah Serginio Dest you have Pulisic at Tottenham you have um, Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen in Germany Giovanni Reina who is 
seventeen eighteen at Dortmund. You mean Pulisic at Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way he plays. He's going to be the best ever American player. I think he's done more than Donovan and those guys did already. He's, yeah. he's succeeded in Germany, and no American was able to do that at that level. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, my big hope is, uh, I hope in my lifetime I can see MLS improve in quality. I think it's going to require a lot, though. I, I mean, I, I think Colin Coward, of all people, brought up a really great point. It was after the last World Cup, and I think it was after, because we ended up playing Belgium, if I'm not mistaken. 2014. Was it? Yeah, it was, 20, it was in 2014. Thank you for correcting me on that. And we were celebrating how Tim Howard had, like, a, an insane amount of saves, and it's like... And they still lost. It's like, yeah, yes, it is cool, but it's like, no, we are celebrating for the complete run reasons. We don't hold our, our... We don't hold this team to the same standards as other people. It's like, we need to hold them to a higher degree of, like, what we expect, and, like, the quality will improve, but it, it's always just, like... Well, oh well, like you get this whole group of people, the first thing you see when you hop on Bleacher Report, if they post something on the main Bleacher Report about soccer, they'll be like, can you speak this in football terms or, you know, or basketball terms? And it's like so much education could go into it. Like I get excited seeing a cool exchange of passes, uh, you know, compared to just a cheat, like, you know, a quick bucket in, in the league. Like there are things that like if you want people to get that, you know, enjoying that quick rush of excitement it's like there are things in soccer that you can also it's patience but like the fact that it's so much harder to score in in uh in in a sport like that it makes it so when you finally do get in that goal or you get your equalizer it is just it's elating it's incredible it's it's like man i remember when the eagles went to the super bowl and i saw them you know doing their stuff and like you know, I felt like that replication, when you watch a team that you're invested in and they can get that one goal, it really is uh, something that I like. I think if we could educate the fan base more in the U.S. and it's like, look, okay, we understand that everything here is about who can score the quickest, who can get the most points on the board. Like, awesome, but it's a very nuanced game. They want to be entertained, and I have no issue with that. It's sports and entertainment, right? Uh, yeah. Why, why did basketball took off because of Michael Jordan? Like, everyone knew basketball. Yeah, it was almost dead in the 80s, even with Bird and Magic. Like, Bird and Magic saved the NBA. Yeah, and then Jordan just brought it to a different stratosphere, right? Because he was so entertaining. And that and that's the biggest thing. I'd, and I'd love to, if I was able to get, you know, hands-on some internal data at, its, at any franchise. See, okay, what are ticket sales? What is a... What is a what is a viable financial figure that we could use to project increasing salary would ideally attract these types of players? I mean, if I'm... I'm a guy in Germany, second division, England, second division, making a few hundred thousand a year. And I have the opportunity to move to America, make a few hundred thousand a year and play soccer and play in the sunshine in Miami or LA or live in New York or whatever. Like, how is that not enticing? Right. But when we're so worried about being like the old school North American soccer league that brought over Pele and Gerd Müller and Franz Beckenbauer and just paid them millions and millions for 40 year old dudes and it, it was so financially unviable and their business models were so backwards that's what mls wanted to avoid we're, we're over 25 we're uh yeah over 25 years since the league was founded right it's like mm-hmm. it, it's time to put our foot on the gas and stop worrying about so much incremental improvement it's time to be innovative and to disrupt in some way and one well, i i think that'll come with uh investments and in, like you know 
I mean, we talked about Ronaldo earlier and, you know, and Messi, like those dudes were in training academies, not just an academy that had a name on it, but like, you know, they were an established, uh, you know, they were for established clubs that were, uh, and you know, really productive. Dimension is another, is a whole other onion to peel back because we're our best, we're our best American players. They're in, they're in Germany. They, they, they essentially are going to Germany. They're going when they're teenagers over to those youth academies and those developmental systems because they're way better than here. They're not yeah. as political as the game is over here. You don't have somebody, oh, you know, this guy started this youth soccer club and his son, you know, helps run it. So if the son doesn't like you, you won't get on the on the team no matter how good you are. Right. Politics exist everywhere, but it's just insane in America. Uh, these youth coaches are so obsessed with money and they're not connected to professional teams and they don't have that infrastructure. Whereas you have La Masia with Barcelona, you have Sporting Lisbon where Cristiano um, found himself, Manchester United where David Beckham did um, with Malmo and then going to Ajax the way that Ibra did, you know, just those are some big names in soccer for reference. And you don't have the infrastructure at the youth level. Cause again, these teams don't have the resources or the money. And I'd say, listen, if I'm boosting ticket sales and if I'm getting high ratings and that's where the real revenue comes in is from the TV rights deals. Yeah. I can invest in more youth infrastructure. Then the Christian Pulisic who should be the standard, not the exception, the rule they're staying in Pennsylvania. They're going to go play for New York Red Bull or, you know, one of those NLS Academy teams. Well, and it's crazy to think about because it's like, you know, they've got, think about all the players that go into, let's say basketball, for example. So you have a, you have a 12 man roster on a D one basketball team and only two or three at best of those players, unless you're like a, like Kentucky or, you know, some other large program, you're only going to have two or three of those dudes make it pro. (laughs) You're only going to have very few of those dudes make it pro. And then we have this whole fallout where these other players that are left behind, it's like, you're still a D1 athlete. I mean, it's not just like soccer still requires a lot of technical skill and it's not just a complete transfer of like, you know, we'll just take our better athletes and put them other places. But I think that's where if we can start getting more of like that, that fallout, like man, professional football, there are so many skill players that are practice squad dudes, their entire career. Um, I mean, those dudes, you could easily teach them in their teens uh, proper footwork, proper skill, uh, you know, just very basic fundamental aspects of, of, of soccer. Make them a rat and then... keeper. <laughs> there's so much, there, there's just such a huge outlet, like, like of just wasted athletic talent that could easily be siphoned in, in, into, into professional soccer that would make it more competitive a- across the board. But it, we just have this fanaticism with, you know, but with, you know, basketball, football, even baseball, baseball has three, like the minor leagues, like you have to make it through three other leagues before you make it to the majors. But now look at the incentive. Yeah. Clayton 300 million dollar contracts. He doesn't want to, he doesn't <laughs> want anything. And he's making yeah. hundreds of millions basketball. Odell Beckham even said, listen, it was between soccer and football, but my salary, what I was going to make was going to be a big difference. Do I want to be a really good MLS player and make 90000 a year? Do I want to be a, a really good NFL player? And after, you know, signing a few million dollar a year rookie contract, you know, I can make tens of millions a year. That's part of my argument. That's, that's part well, of my rhetoric is we have to provide the financial and economic incentives. 
and endorsements. Yeah, those endorsements too. I mean, yeah, you know, Odell Beckham Jr.'s made sick amounts of money. <laughs> yeah, and, compared to and others. What has the ROI been for his teams? <laughs> In terms of win loss records, it hasn't been all that fantastic. I yeah, the Giants and the Browns have not been very good with him. No. He shows up last time he went to the oh. last time he went to the playoffs was the was the infamous uh boating picture Bims on the boat <laughs> Jews, i'll never be caught dead in <laughs> oh my gosh dude that crap was so you know what's funny is uh they there was a joe rogan clip where he was talking about he he kept calling tims he kept calling tim tim t- he like the way he would say timbalins t- timbalins tim oh. <laughs> It was so funny. It's like, oh my gosh. I forget that he's in his 50s. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's too too freaking funny. Um one one other thing that I thought would be really really interesting to talk about. Uh and I think a lot of the viewers would find it really interesting too. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, but uh so you started an avatar-based meme page, correct? At la- at last.arrowbender incredible uh, yeah you've had a ton of success with that yeah it was like you and some friends all kind of like it was a it was kind of like i've all their identities yeah we yeah, don't if but, yeah, uh, you want to keep it, it secret was, it was one of my friends it was a, a group of us three of us and uh, one of my buddies was just like hey i just started doing this you guys want in i'm like let's do it we're always sending memes to each other and uh yeah we're trying to we had a great wave we've we've uh we definitely rode that wave now we got a we gotta, you know, ride, you know, get pitted, you know, get lost in the barrel of another one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that big spike once Avatar went to Netflix, dude, it generated one hundred fifty thousand likes on a single meme. That was insane. <sighs> I had to, I literally had to turn off notifications because my battery was just being so ridiculously drained. You would think they would have something in place to make sure you're not just gonna get bombarded. I mean, turn off notifications. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet if you, I, I bet if you're uh i bet if also you're you know kylie jenner or whatever they have for these bigger business accounts i think they have these hidden features where you know i maybe they only get notifications from verified people commenting or dms like you know cristiano slides into your dms and it's like hey this guy with 200 million instagram followers just dm'd you i don't know maybe there's a hierarchy or whatever that they place on it they would have to. I mean, that would that would shut down. So oh, that much girl stuff. freaking like, gets she she gets DM'd minimum a hundred thousand times a day. Minimum. <laughs> Could you imagine sorting by real people? Those? Imagine the bots. You know the I'm so thirsty bots. <laughs> Does anyone have something long and hard? Like oh my gosh. Yeah, the dude. The, let's com- like... the complexity of Major League Soccer's long term improvement and sustainability. <laughs> oh my gosh that's cool though man meme pages man i i've got like i've got my little meme page but i don't do and i honestly i the only reason i started it was just because i thought the name was i i personally thought the name was so freaking funny that i didn't want anybody else to have it that's the only reason why like yeah. i i'll post on it every now and then but man it's that stuff's crazy trying to like you know, like you mentioned, you post an avatar meme, you get a hundred thousand likes on there. It's like, what? well, then I posted our first one that got a ton of likes was around 45, 50 K. That was like, it's funny. I always say to my, I say to my buddies, 
yeah, you're just riding the Grant meme wave, you know, you're just riding. the. So how many, so with your role and all that, like how many of those were like, you jumped on like, you know, a little meme maker and, and threw it out. Or was it like, how collaborative were you guys together in that aspect in terms of like the creation of the meme? Oh, we haven't, we have not like, we'll text about it. That's it. Just be like, yo, we got to get a meme out today. Or, you know, we need a meme tomorrow or something. That's it. We just post and I'll just see like, you know, a hundred plus new notifications under the last arrowbender page. And it was like, Oh, I must have a new meme <laughs> or I'll post it. The biggest mistake is not putting the, the, um, the user uh, or the handle watermark. Oh my gosh. The one that I, I got 50,000 likes, that was like our first big time, uh, meme is getting ripped off left and right. So then I'm sitting there, you know, talking smack, spitting fire. I'm just like, yeah, you hoes are lucky that, you know, we didn't, we didn't put a, you know, our watermark on it. Real original. One guy's like, prove it. To, and he's like, you rip people off. And I'm just like, nah, dude, look at their timestamps versus ours. We're the most original. Cause it was our, it's only original content that we post. Yeah. He was like a middle schooler. So funny. I was just like, Oh, I'm just licking my chops. I'm just like, come on, lad. <laughs> I'm like, remember? And, and I said, don't, and I'm like, and I just said at the end, he's like, Oh, I guess I was wrong. You're right. And I just go, don't reach young blood. <laughs> oh my god it's all about getting buckets get my buckets (laughs) and my sneakers oh my gosh that's too funny don't reach young blood (laughs) oh man but that's cool though that's 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 super super cool man memes are like i love it that they they haven't died out i remember when they were just starting out they're my love language if somebody messages me and says like, you know, hello there. I read it in hello there. And then, you know, I have to say, you know, just General <laughs> Kenobi back and all of the memes. I'm a, I think I have an anthology of like 20 General Ken- Kenobi. Oh, hello there, General Kenobi memes. But it's just like, oh, here's the German version. Here's the French version, you know, waving a bunch of white flags. Here's like the anime version. It's like, oh, Kenobi Senpai. <laughs> General Kenobi. Oh, my gosh. There's too many of those, man. I the, the prequels, it's so funny the meme power that the prequels have. Prequels, memes, prequels, meme archives on Facebook. Yeah, on it's it's a worthwhile follow. Oh yeah, I've posted a few on there. Like my my very last final of my undergrad, it was for this organizational behavior class. The professor's like, yeah, I'm just gonna make it pass fail. As long as you log in for the final, no matter you can just you just have to log in for the final. Even if you don't take anything, you get an automatic pass. So I logged in. I was just, you know, clicking the random bubbles and stuff. It, I, it only took me like a few minutes to actually finish it because it said, talk about a, a time, you know, somebody used power in a way um, to influence a decision. So I literally just quoted verbatim the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> they gave me zero points. Like if I actually cared, I would have like, I would have literally like reached out and said, like, this is literally a prime example of somebody using like, their influence or a, you know this this sense of power in order to manipulate and shape others decisions and outcomes like this is prime <laughs> but, but, that's genius for provost most eligible oh <laughs> dude uh you know what's so funny is so i just i just dropped my first youtube video shameless plug and uh when i was making it i had shameless plug <laughs> plug subscribe shameless plug (laughs) so 
I had like I had like a few like general like jump cut meme ideas and by far the most that I had it was Star Wars ones. It was like I have the high ground for democracy. Uh Darth literally Darth play just the wise on there. The so the the bit that I had I didn't put it in the video cuz I when I filmed originally I didn't the takes that I have uh, or that I did beforehand I I didn't I didn't script it well enough. But basically, it was about Biden when he went on The Breakfast Club and uh, basically said, if you don't, if you're still trying to figure out whether you vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And uh, I thought that was so funny. And like the little joke that I have was like, so if I vote Democrat, does that mean I have the possibility of becoming black? And, uh, you know, put Darth play just the wise, like the part where Anakin is like, is it, is it possible for him to learn to learn this power? And then Sheev turns over no. not from a, and then I cut in and just put Republican. <laughs> Dude, I was just thinking like, you know, you see two like old dudes just babbling, interrupting each other on stairs. And I just think of, uh, if a cutting to, um, vice, uh, vice or Newt Gunray, this is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Dude, the prequels have such good meme power. Just, there's a meme for any occasion. The real value and benefit of the sequels is the freaking, you know, original trilogy haters and purists stopped hating on the prequels. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good stuff to take away from them. Like, a lot. Yeah, they they have some flawed parts, but I mean, what, what, what... Oh, because the the original trilogy is that good. You see the acting... And like, right. it's just like, listen, I enjoy it. I appreciate it. But I'm going to watch the prequels any day of the week over um, a new hope. Well, and it's like you, they talk about, um, uh, empire strikes back being the best one. And it's like, you watch the fight scene with like Luke and Darth Vader and it sucks. <laughs> like, not on the basis of the fight scenes, dude. Like, yeah, I understand Luke is inexperienced, but he would, well, what's interesting is, they said back in the day, like Luke, like George Lucas intended for a lightsaber to actually be a very heavy, uh, be a very heavy weapon. So that's why they're using both hands and it's so cumbersome when they're swinging. But then you see like, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are just twirling or twirling it and stuff. But it's interesting seeing that evolution. But Lucas even knew it's like, I don't have the technology to do one, two and three. So I'll stick with four, five and six. Yeah, yeah, which which is definitely smart, but like it definitely shows. Like I, I would still say the fight scenes, uh, and a lot of them are still really compelling. And, and more oh, episode the, you three, know, the dude, Anakin, Obi Wan. There's nothing that comes close. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, remember, uh, like I remember watching, but I wasn't there in theaters. I was too young. But I remember seeing like Darth Maul with the double sided saber. I was just like, dude, I was like, what the? I like that was off the charts and he that was unheard of his fighting style was so sick it was just like so rigid but just so decisive and then like anakin obi-wan there's so many emotions like when they're doing the force push against each other in that one room and like yeah it just sends a chill down the spine every time it's so powerful my one complaint if i want to get like i'm so here i'm going to put on my purist hat here so so i'm going to throw that on i wish in episode three we could have captured more of when anakin fully jumped into the dark side because that's when he was at his most powerful that was when anakin skywalker was like even palpatine was like uh 
like the suit was what kept uh, Anakin in check because she was able to over like use his electricity to shut him down. And like, like his suit was like a barrier to his powers, but like Darth Vader was so freaking powerful. Like when him and Obi-Wan fought against each other, because like the fight, it's meant to show like, you know, that, that whole like brother, you are my brother, Anakin. Like, you know, in the way that they're fighting, they know each other's styles and, but Anakin but like, did a lot more hits. That is true. And Obi Wan, like, I'm saying, like obviously Obi, and that's the thing. What I love about Obi Wan is he embodies he embodies what the Jedi is supposed to be. Maybe not the most talented, but he is the most resourceful. He's the he is restrained. He understands his limits. Still pushes himself, of course. Right. Um. But Anakin is just is just outright reckless, and that's what a Sith is all about. Just curb the just don't curb the passion, don't curb the emotion, which has its place but he, right. it was so there was so much vengeance and hate it just completely blinded his judgment and then right. you know the high ground happened <laughs> i have the high ground anakin i just wish we could have seen more ominous like besides anakin slaughtering the younglings like okay yeah like that was pretty dark but like we could i wish we could have seen more of just like oh wow this dude is not to be messed with because up until that point it's just Oh, it's Anakin. All right, cool. We know, we know it's Anakin. Yep. Um, but I mean, talk about a casting, just magnificent choice with Ewan McGregor. Nice. And I can't wait, dude. I can't wait. I'm oh. so glad he decided to come back for uh, for Obi Wan. I heard they're gonna make it. It's gonna be think- very Mando esque, but it's, it's gonna be less parts. Season. Yeah, it's like one season, but I think the episodes are gonna be at least an hour per episode. I, I don't care about quantity. I care about the quality. I would rather have one amazing season. And that's that. Yeah. I don't just one good one. Yeah. yeah well, so many star Wars fans, they're just, they're just like, you know, they're just franchise fast food um, diners. They, <laughs> they want the same thing. And then they complain about how it's the same thing, but at the end of the day, they're not going to go venture out and, you know, go buy a bowl of soup for 18 bucks. No, they're going to go to the cheesecake factory. No shade at cheesecake factory, but it's the safe choice. Right. Yeah. And then if you try and mix it up, my gosh, they crucified the poor people. And I'm not saying I'm not defending Disney with last Jedi and stuff. That's they deserve to be freaking stoned for that. Um, <laughs> oh, but dude, I I'm so because he's such a phenomenal actor. And I think like what the clone wars touched on and it did a really great job at building up, anakin's betrayal and his decision to turn to the dark side and that last season oh my gosh it was immense like you felt the tension you felt the tension like when ahsoka and maul were first fighting and you could hear palpatine laughing and all that stuff right but i think what kenobi has the the potential to offer is a a look into seeing a defeated obi-wan because he defeated anakin but he didn't get the job done he didn't right yoda was I just thought that whole fight scene was pretty frustrating. Obviously he had to lose, but it's like, come on, like, why'd you take out the lightsaber? But I, I really yeah. think about it. the clones. He only had a limited time window before all the clones converged and would just shoot the he- heck out of them, you know? Um, right. But I think it's going to, it's going to, I think it has the potential to show these were the effects of the empire really taking um, power. Cause we don't have anything like star Wars rebels, I think is just so juvenile and it's so clunky and awkward. But yeah. now we're going to see a masterful actor demonstrate what it's like to be defeated. He saw the highest of the highs of the Jedi, really. And they're basically extinct. And watch them get decimated. 
you know, oh my it's, gosh, yeah. Him yeah. Being the I mean, he's got a deal. should be super cool. I hope he's in it. I hope he's in it. Oh, dude. If we get some Qui-Gon force ghost it's just stuff, Qui-Gon be with me, be with me. I don't know who he's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I, that would be, I mean, Liam Neeson was such a great choice for Qui-Gon. Um, I mean, I mean, all across the board, like, yeah, Hayden Christensen had some issues, um, but I mean, still a good choice. Uh, the guy, uh, Ian, uh, what was the guy's name that played Chief? Uh, Ian, Ian yeah, dude, Chief killed it. Chief oh, he was totally a fantastic killed it. actor. He was a fantastic actor. <laughs> then it's treason. Then <laughs> I, I am the Senate. <laughs> such good yet. stuff. It's treason, then. <laughs> but, dude, oh, that's one thing that just killed me. I'm just like, you're a Jedi master. And then they tried to, like, cover it with the novel. He's like, well, he moves so fast. It's like, well, he didn't move that fast. And it's like, oh, his force scream. I'm like, oh, give me a break. Like, at least include a few more clashes. Like, I understand. A madman coming at you just straight. Rah! Like, how do you defend from that? Like, literally, that's the best tactic if you think about it. Like, at least... You know, the lights go out or something and he uses some deception. But no, he like, I understand, like, that's how aggressive and insane he is. But it's like, dude, you're looking that way. And he's right here. He did. Well, especially, especially because he was able to drop the facade. You know, he's like, well. Oh, Kit Fisto, my man. Dude, poor Kit. Oh. He was, he was my. And then, dude, Clo uh, Plune. I was just. Clo Plune. Oh, I love. And, like, we didn't care. I saw the funniest meme the other day. It was just like, it's like me when uh, Clo Plune dies, like, before the Clone Wars. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, after the Clone Wars. It's like, ah, like we're nah. and stuff. It's like, it's just so funny. It's like, we're just clones, sir. Not to me. Do Kiati Mundi get smoked? Like, dude, I, man, the- I had the feels. I remember in theaters in third grade in 2005, I had the feels. Um, yeah. No, I was sad about him. Like, come on. And then you just hear the echo and they all turn on him. Um, and he's just like, oh, crap. Era. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. And then Yoda, yeah. dude. I'm just like. Mm. But I mean, I, I, I am glad we get Mando. Uh, I, I am looking forward to more baby Yoda stuff, but I figured this is a good wrap up point. I'm glad you were able to take some time out of your, out of your busy week. And, uh, it's super fun, dude. It's, it sounds like, it sounds like you mentioned you got some more work you got to get done for, uh, you're, you're an adult now. Congrats to team team adult. You know, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I actually do enjoy staying up late working on stuff. Believe it or not. Yeah. It's it's like that or study for you know some BS general ed exam. No offense, um, but it's none taken, dude. It's like none. actually see real life application even in the even in the mundane. So no, it was, dude, super fun catching up, and it was fun. Uh, it was fun being able to sound off and not uh, being told, hey, you know, shut up. You have diarrhea in the mouth. <laughs> the worst. Hey, be, be quiet. No. Uh, so uh. One more time for the listeners. What what's the handle for your avatar page? My avatar page is at last dot arrowbender. Okay, last dot. And arrowbender. listeners get a sneak peek because I technically haven't revealed myself as an admin. But uh, well, I can t- I can I can edit all that out to protect your oh, identity. I don't, I don't care. That's <laughs> super funny that when we reach our first thousand followers, I'm like, oh, we're gonna have a reveal, and then I put the and I was like, here's a selfie, and it was like it was like an emoji over it, like. 
one of the admins is going to reveal himself. And I'm like, here's the reveal. Three, two, one. And then it was just a meme of the boulder going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but not all good. Genius. Give us a follow. We, we have good original only content. If we post it on a story, then it is a repost and we specify. But if you want real original content that we're not ripping off Daquan or what, and I love Daquan, we're not ripping them off. <laughs> give us a follow and subscribe to Samuel Butler, this podcast, his YouTube channel. Yay! As real all as it my, gets, dude. One of the my few many... right spots from Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You're too much, man. But all right, folks. Well, we'll call it a day. Make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, we will. It, uh, um, oh, and then also your personal handle uh, for your for your Instagram. Uh, um, do you do, what? I'm tr- I can't remember what your. Uh, at, it's at the great Grantsby underscore key <laughs> underscore. Some bloke from England who took it when I was like twelve. Georgia. When I thought of it, at the great Grantsby underscore. Georgia. Gotcha. At the great Grantsby underscore. Perfect. All righty. <laughs> Excellent. All righty. Well, let's sound off. See you, Grant. Peace.